Hey friends, welcome to the Speak Out Loud podcast. We are so glad you're joining us again. It's been a little while since we've put out some content and we are so thankful for you for coming back, for listening, for being a part of this. And we are really excited to get to share with you the next couple episodes. We are sharing actually a two-part episode today. Today is part one and we're going to be talking about the mental health crisis amongst youth today. We're interviewing some friends some experts, very experienced people in working with young people and teenagers, Sam and Chrissy Dallas. You're going to hear our interview with them here in just a few moments. As we got done, as Stacy and I wrapped this up, we realized, wow, this is so much and it hits so long. We thought we need to break this into two parts. So that's what we've done. So today's part one and next week we'll be releasing part two. We do want you to know we our hearts break with the tragedy that has happened this past week in Uvalde, Texas. We recorded this episode actually the day before those events happened. So we do not refer to that in, in this episode, uh, either one of these episodes is coming out. We just wanted you to know we're not touching on that topic because it hasn't happened yet. We do go in deep on depression, anxiety, a number of things facing teenagers today in a number of, of ways that hopefully teenagers and families that are sharing those struggles can find hope. But we do not address, we do not speak into the issue of, of this particular tragedy and crisis and uh, some of these really deep issues of mental illness um, where it just breaks our hearts to see what's happened and the horrible results of this. So wanted you to be aware of that, but we think this episode has some great information, some great experience from our friends from our journey and our story, and we want to encourage and welcome you to listen to that. So uh, here it is, episode part one of Mental Health Crisis Amongst Today's Teenagers. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. Hey, you guys. We are so glad you're joining us today. And um, I know it's been a little while since we've had some new content out, and we are just thankful you're rejoining us. We've had a lot going on. You followed along on our social media. Stacy had an incredible speaking opportunity uh, in Hawaii, which uh, we'll be sharing more and more about, I'm sure, over the next few weeks. But uh, that was an incredible experience. And it's just, we've just, yeah, lives happen. And so we've we've delayed on getting some new podcast content available. But uh, we're excited for today because today we have some great friends, um, friends of, gosh, 25 years or so Mm -hmm. joining us. And uh, we're going to be talking about something today that I think is a huge issue. It's in the news. Um, Many of our listeners have talked to us. They're experiencing this. It is, for lack of a better way of just describing it, the crisis of mental health amongst young people, particularly teenagers today. And so we want to speak to that. Our, our friends we're, host, uh, we're interviewing today are Sam and Chrissy Dallas. And Sam and Chrissy are youth ministers. They are teachers. They are professors of youth ministry, authors, authors to <laughs> students and young people across the world. And so we um, are just really excited to have a chance to uh, to to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So just saying I was something and before we let you guys share about yourselves, I was thinking about us is that uh, it literally about this time of year. So we're recording this in the middle of May. 
it was 25 years ago, literally this month, that I first met you. And mm-hmm. uh, oh my Sam, us all. Sam, you were about to be a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and the pastor of the church we were coming to had us come to his house to interview us. And Sam, you, you were doing like a service project or something. And so like we're inside being interviewed. And I think we saw you, met you briefly. And he probably said, hey, don't say anything about these guys because they weren't sure if they're going to hire <laughs> us or not. But uh, Sam was a uh, senior and in in, was really the leader in many respects, student leader Definitely. of our youth ministry. Definitely. And um, then we worked together for a number of years while you were in college. And through that time, we met you, Chrissy, somewhere in the midst of that, we met you. Mm-hmm. And then also you got the best uh, part then, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and then and then also um, just had a chance to see you guys kind of take off. And you've now been at the same church for is it fifteen years or more? Is that right? It's uh, about nineteen and a half years. So almost twenty. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So spent <laughs> a lot of time at the church, and um, yeah. So and and you guys are doing incredible things. Sam, you have your doctorate. You're now a professor of youth ministry as well as a active student ministry. Chrissy, you've had a career as a teacher. I'm not telling you guys this. I'm telling our audience this. Um, it's now Chrissy. Did y'all know? Yeah, Chrissy. Know. For Take those who have not heard her name before. These people sound cool. She is a just really an incredible author and young adult fiction and is really being spotlighted in some incredible ways on Amazon. And we'll let them share more about that. But um yeah, so with all that said, why don't you guys share a little bit about yourselves and just who you are, what you do, and, and we'll jump into some questions in here in just a minute. Cool. Yeah, Doug, I remember meeting you that day. I was working in the backyard of our pastor's house, and uh, I was told that, hey, the new youth minister and his wife is here and, and got to got to meet you, and that was, that was really great. You were my seventh and uh, seventh youth pastor that I had had, and I was kind of burned out on getting a new youth pastor because I'd had so many over the years. And it was because of that experience that I actually prayed, God, I really want to stay at a church a long time. You know, I, I just, I don't want to be the, you know, going from one church to the next and Lo and behold, I had no idea that I would go to one church and stay there uh, for this long. But it's it's uh, it's been great, and uh, it's been great knowing you. And I feel like I probably learned uh, the most about youth ministry from from Doug mm-hmm. um, and Stacy. I would say, and yeah, went through college and got to work for you a couple times uh, in there as well. Really, I felt like throughout the summer or throughout the college years, uh, I was kind of in and out with you, and and loved being able to to continue youth ministry, even part-time working with you some as well. Well, and that's what's so cool about our relationship with you guys is you, you know, you started out as mentors for us Mm -hmm. and you really mentored us in those early years of marriage. And, but then also did our wedding and you, Doug married us and Uh Stacy, one of my favorite memories, Stacy read, we had written letters to our moms. You remember? Yes. In our, and we had Stacy read them because she has the most precious voice yes. of anybody yeah. I know. And she stood up there Thank and read you. these letters from us to our mothers, and everybody was crying. And it was it was great. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great time. That was a great yeah. idea too. I loved being able to I, do that. I got to find that. I don't even know where all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. It's been married a long time now. But no, mm-hmm. we just appreciate you guys and just love the ministry that you have going on and um, just all these years of getting to be under your mentorship, but then becoming friends, like, you know, rolling into friends and then also just getting to partner in ministry in different ways. I remember seeing your, seeing Riley 
uh, you know, not didn't see her get warned, but I went to the hospital. <laughs> when she I wouldn't know. Now, no. to clarify, so yeah, exactly. she's an adult now. So, <laughs> right, yeah. we love your girls. Yeah, they're precious to us. So yeah, we've been in a uh, youth ministry at the same church uh, for nineteen and a half years in Burleson, Texas, and um, and Sam can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I started out as like student minister, and then I was also missions pastor, and then I became apologetics pastor. For several years. And then we just announced last week that I'm also going to be the family pastor at our wow. church. We minister to students okay. and families. So we do a lot more interacting with Now, this uh, is all, yeah. he's still full-time youth through all of this. We've always yeah. worked with teenagers, but at our church, we have secondary, there's a secondary mm-hmm. component to that. And that's where apologetics has come into play. And mm-hmm. we're really excited to be stepping into, you know, um, this family Mm-hmm. Uh, role. And now that we're getting older, we're the ones that are like, oh, mentoring families now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't That's believe right. that. Y'all are still yeah. baby friends. <laughs> well, know, right? I think there's so much, really, family ministry and, and working with teenagers goes hand in hand, too. Oh, it's absolutely. Sure. So much of it, it's, it's, it's almost one of the same. It's like full circle. Ways, You're so. embodying the whole thing. So that's well, yeah. Mean. And that's, that's really, I mean, kind of what we're here to talk about today, right? Because, you know, um, all of that rolls into the family component when we find we're counseling parents as much as we're counseling students mm-hmm. and recognizing the need for uh, families to have that kind of those resources and access to spiritual leaders in the, you know, uh, in the church. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, that rolls into that. And so, and then I guess I, I'll say a little bit about myself, although Doug, you did a great entrance uh, for us, but mm-hmm. I've been a public school teacher for 16 years and I left teaching last year, not because of, how difficult it was. It was wonderful. I love, I love junior high life. I've been in seventh and eighth grade all these years. Um, but I, I did leave to write full time. So I've been an author for 13 years and I write teen fiction. Um, and I, while I write like general teen fiction for a general audience, like I write with a Christian worldview. And so, um, all of my stories flow through, um, you know, this worldview that I hold as a Christian. And, and I've always felt like my writing plays a key role, you know, and is subject to my role as a teacher and my role as a youth pastor's wife. So all of it um, kind of flows full circle. So I have, um, how many books do I have out on? Seven, um, seven mm-hmm. books. That's and incredible, I'm Chrissy. Thank you. <laughs> I've got more on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm currently uh, in the top 25 stories overall on Kindle Vella, which is Amazon's newest platform um, for serial fiction writing. So that's been a really fun adventure this year. And um, But all of that, again, I write teen and young adult fiction. We work with teenagers. I've taught teenagers. And, and so all of that is because that's where our heartbeat is and that's where our experience is yeah. um, for the last, you know, 20, well, 20 plus years. Because even before we were full-time ministry ourselves, we were doing ministry with y'all. We were going to camp and yeah. leading Disciple Nows and, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. So, um, yeah. So, we, we're, we're passionate about teenagers and mm-hmm. the experience of a teenager and have a heart for helping families navigate those years. Mm-hmm. And we do, we should say, we have two boys um, that are <laughs> seven and four. So they're not teenagers yet. We actually are like excited for them to get to be teenagers because we're like, we don't understand the mind of seven <laughs> yeah, and four year olds. We're like, until you're 12 and up, we're not totally sure what to do with you. So, um, but we, yeah, we love, we love our boys and, um, and are so thankful. Yeah. That we're getting to raise them. So, mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that we're going to do in, in the show notes of this episode to all our listeners, 
is we're going to share information about Sam and Chrissy. We're going to share resources that, that how you can find them, particularly some of the things Chrissy's written, how you can find her uh, and just her books, the stuff they've done. Uh, also information about their church. Well, and, and one of the things we love to do, and just we love to do this with, with particularly guests that have been our friends for a number of years, is just, you know, I was thinking back, we have so many memories, but just briefly, mm-hmm. maybe what's a favorite memory of, of we have of time together, friendship, and just, I don't think it came to your mind, but I, I'll pitch it to you guys first, then, then mm-hmm. we can share ours. Well, I mean, for sure, our wedding, that's yeah, my, that's yeah. my favorite. Um, all the Disciple Nows with the uh, videos that we made that were yeah. award-winning yeah. videos. <laughs> that one. More <laughs> still, yeah, there's still, I think it like, you know, it, that was all pre-social media, but I think it, there's still yeah. things that float around now. The uh, right. The killer killer Elmo doll. Yeah. So when you're working with teenagers, you can be all weird and stuff on these videos. Right. Y'all to be their leaders because of this too. So they win the video contest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Because at Disciple Now, there would be a a video contest. And so all the groups had to create a video over the weekend. Well, Sam and I always came in prepared with our video editing software. And this is before everybody had iMovie. I would stay up to like 4 a.m. Oh yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I got really burned out from doing that from videos. So <laughs> I also, did your, I did your camp videos for a couple of years, you know, and I just like one day I just stopped. Yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm not doing videos anymore. We're done. There you yeah, go. yeah. Oh, but those, those I had no skill in that area, so. <laughs> yes. I think I was mostly thinking about. Um, about when we'd been married 15 years, when Diane and I had been married 15 years, we um, had what the girls called, um, what our what our daughters called a re-wedding. And mm-hmm. yeah, vow renewal. Mm-hmm. And Tim and Christy came for that. And it was just yeah. so special. Um, we were in uh, the girls' bedroom. They shared a bedroom, lime green walls. It was so fun. I remember and, that. Uh, Christy sat on the bed and did my nails for me. And that's something at that point in our uh, ministry, you know, we just, just didn't make a lot of money and she mm-hmm. would do my nails. She did my nails for me. And I felt so special. I felt so no. number one, that you would take the time to do that. Cause y'all were busy doing what we're doing. And also just that the girls just felt so they've always just felt like that y'all are absolutely family. And they were just dancing around. So excited to be a part of that day. And I just remember when Doug put, um, a little ring on my finger that day. I just felt so pretty because my nails were done. No, oh. <laughs> y'all are y'all are just special. You make other people feel very, very special. And um, I, in a world that we live in right now, that tries to kind of not validate you, um, mm-hmm. y'all are excellent at making people feel um, seen and validated. So that's in a different language now for you guys, but I remember seeing that from day one with y'all. So mm-hmm. I love you so much. And Samuel, mm-hmm. I just, I just always think of you as, you know, just being a son to me, brother, son, forever, because um, it's just so special the way you care for people. And that is so unusual. And you just do it so beautifully um, in 
So and I love that you call me Samuel. You're like the only person that does. And I would not, I would not change it. And if anyone else tried to call me Samuel, I'd be like, hey, you're not Stacy. Don't do that. <laughs> also, it's the voice. It's the way she does it in that yeah. voice. It's Samuel yeah. like, has this little tone to it. Well, and Doug, I'll just say real quick. I have, I, I, I'll say real quick. I'm like eating, breathing, drinking, sleeping camp right now. And so I always think of you during that time. Is uh, I, yeah, we have camp in yeah. two weeks from tomorrow. And I've got interns. I mean, my whole model is very similar to yeah. Speaking to, of, that's yeah, to how you did it back do. then. And so I'm I'm all camp, all working on rec and all that stuff right now. So uh, yeah, a lot of fun memories from camp yeah. with you. It'll all we're come so together. thankful for y'all and just that, and particularly the year the years in college that we got to do ministry together under y'all's leadership because God was preparing me to be mm-hmm. Sam's wife and. To, to what, like, I mean, camp's a great example because I went to camp with y'all and, and, mm-hmm. you know, worked yeah. with the, the middle school girls. And who knew then that I was going to be a junior high teacher someday? I didn't know yeah. then that yeah. I was going to be married to Sam and we were going to be, you know, doing all of these things. So God really used you guys and just your willingness to <laughs> take us on in ministry to the. Well, and she's been our middle school girls teacher in yeah. the youth group for and that's my almost 20 years now. So yeah. Wow. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't had opportunities to work with them, you know. So yeah. we definitely, you guys hold a special place in our heart. It's very mutual. Well, it's definitely we, mutual. We miss yeah. you every day. So it's so good to be able to see you, even though others can't. We do. <laughs> well, hey, let's jump into. So I, I was thinking of this. Sam and I had a conversation a few weeks ago. And one of the things I mentioned that Sam's now a professor of student ministry as well as doing student ministry, youth ministry. And, and so Sam was telling me that one of the classes he's going to get to teach in the fall was contemporary issues in, in youth mm-hmm. ministry. You know, I kind of laugh because thinking I've been out of youth ministry now for so long, I wouldn't even know what the contemporary issues are. Mm-hmm. So I remember just kind of chuckling and saying, well, Sam, what are the contemporary issues? And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that was at the very top of that list was, was our topic today. It was mental health among students, mental health among teenagers. And we know that it's, you know, um, just with everything that's happened, covid but even probably before COVID, things were really reaching a crisis point for a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to talk to Sam and Christy today about that topic, knowing that they have years and years of experience and, and all kinds of, as you've just heard, very wide and varied experience of working with, with young people. And so we had some questions for them today. And really just as we talked about earlier, we want to give hope. We want to give hope mm-hmm. to families. We want to give hope to parents. We want to give hope to, to, to young people for what they're going through that um, mm-hmm. to know and to see, Hey, there is, there is a way that, that, that help us there. There's a better day coming tomorrow. And, and just to some of the, the steps maybe of how to get to that place. So mm-hmm. let's jump off with a few questions, guys, for you that, that we want to hear from you on. But um, you know, as I said, nobody's going to debate that mental health is in crisis today amongst teenagers but as you, in your work particularly, what are you seeing and experiencing as you work with young people, church, school, Chris, even as an author, what are some of the things you guys are seeing? Sure. Yeah, I'll start. Um, definitely as a youth pastor, uh, you're seeing, we're seeing a lot more of this. And if you were to boil it down to like two words, it would be anxiety and depression. Those are very mm-hmm. common uh, themes that we, that we hear about and that we experience with, with the students. And uh, you know, it's a little bit intimidating because the first thing I'll say is that I'm not an expert 
um, in this area at all. Um, I'm a pastor. And so even the level of counseling I do, I'm always real clear to mm-hmm. distinguish that I do pastoral or biblical counseling. And so those are ways to talk about how the Bible speaks to certain issues or relationships that they have with their parents or siblings or whatever it might be. And so those are things that, um, you know, that, that I deal with on a counseling level, but anytime we're dealing with these much, you know, more serious or more um, specialized situations where students are really struggling with certain mental health um, issues, our, our church has had to really develop a relationship with professional counselors so that we can refer them um, to those places. And so I want to do what I can um, with students and encouraging them um, and, and, you know, in listening to them, being a, being an ear, uh, a lot of the time they just really want to be able to talk to you and, uh, you know, and, and not frankly get a lot of answers, um, you know, me just providing with them advice to them, uh, but just being able to listen to them. And then if they're willing, you know, to refer them, um, you know, to professional counselors as well. And then just to also have a relationship with the parents too, and right. communicate with the parents kind of, uh, you know, and I'll talk to the students about that as well. I'll say, listen, uh, you know, I'm discipling a young man right now who is who is dealing with some kind of mental health things that were beyond uh, the whole. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to tell your parents about you know certain issues that you have. It was really like I need I need to do this, and I, my encouragement is that you would do it first. And so uh, he was able to talk to his parents about some cutting issues and things that he was doing, mm-hmm. and then I, I talked to the mom after that, you know, on the phone, and so. Um, you know, so those, those are just things that come up and it's, it's much more often now, I would say, I would say 15 years ago, this seemed to be a a rare kind of, um, thing that I would, that I would come across or, or, you know, have to deal with on the youth ministry level. But now it seems like it's, it's every week, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, even with a frankly smaller youth group after COVID, I feel like it's, it's much more pronounced now and, and how much we're seeing this among young people. Well, and I would say too, I think one of the challenges, at least in our position and what a lot of these parents are facing, we all know anybody who's worked with teenagers or been a teenager knows that adolescence in that period of your life is marked by dramatic, big feelings, major Mm -hmm. swings, hormonal swings, mood swings, all that stuff. So you're already having those things going on. So sometimes, you know, we're, we find ourselves going and working with these parents going, okay, is this attention seeking behavior or something that's normal for adolescents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is this like a true mental health issue? And that's where we really have started to rely on more professional therapy for some of these kids to help with that line. Now, parents tend to have a pretty good <laughs> intuition on their kids, you know? And so a lot of times by the time a parent's coming to us, it's because their intuition is saying, hey, this isn't normal, you know? And so we, regardless of what comes to us, it's taken very seriously. And we always wrote parents into things, it, anything that's coming back at us that's that's outside of the normal, oh, I'm just sad today, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. But I do find that that's become harder and harder to find where that line is. Mm-hmm. Um and and I always want to err on the side of taking it seriously. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but but you are also dealing and listen, there's some stuff that some people want to call mental health uh problem with a kid, and it's just them being dramatic. You know, I mean there there are times where it's like and they get they kind of get past it and they get through it and they're they're fine, mm-hmm. but but there's definitely an upward trend in the more serious. Well, and I know stuff. I know we're gonna talk about this later, yeah. but I also think it's the way that they're processing 
uh, some of their feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know we're going to m- mention this, but it's uh, social media, I think, has definitely played into strangers teaching them how they should process what they're going right. through as opposed to family relationships that are around them, things like that. And so a lot of the time they're, they're seeing kind of what strangers and how, how they're dealing with it. And I think that they're, uh, they're recognizing the attention that that, that person's yeah. getting and right. all those sorts of things. Um, and it's, it's playing into kind of exasperating it. Yeah. So you've got all that roped up in with mm-hmm. teens right now, you know, it's a, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys, what do you think is causing such an increase in mental health issues for youth today? What do you think? Well, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll start. Well, we all know a lot of, from the Christian perspective, we're in a, a very over-sexualized culture. Um, and so we're also in a culture of anything goes, your, speak your truth, you know, whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Um and those actually are not biblical truths. And we try to teach our teenagers, hey, Jesus never said he just wanted you to be happy. Yeah. Right. Right. There's, actually, there's no your truth in my truth. Yeah, there's it's no – truth is not relevant. And we, so we're trying – getting to – or relative. Yeah, sorry. It is relevant. Um, <laughs> you know, trying to get to the the baseline of all of these messages that are coming – um, coming at them. And I, because they are contributing to that, because if you start buying, it starts, it starts, you know, everything starts as a seed, right? In your mind, and then it can grow into something unhealthy. Um, and so trying to hit those philosophies right at the, the baseline. Um, I also, I I definitely think I just said this, but I think social media has played into it. Um, majorly, you know, and I'll tell my students this, like, it's going to have a psychological effect on you when you see someone state something in a meme or on a short video or on a TikTok video, and that person gets an an insane amount of attention from it. And so if you, you were to do something that um, is just a real basic truth kind of video, you know, whatever, and it would get nothing from that. Uh, But when people share things that I think are against what the Bible would teach and they get so much attention from it or so much validation from it. And then you see that from the side, you know, you're just, you're recognizing it's going to have a psychological effect on you to, to, to kind of desire that same attention or to see that as even being true because of the amount of attention or the amount of uh, popularity a post gets or how many shares mm-hmm. it gets and things like that. And then just the constant messages they're getting. Um, I mean, now, We've got videos so short now, right? It's not YouTube is not sufficient anymore to have a, a 10 minute video or 20 minute video. No, now we have to have 15 second TikTok videos. And if you go through uh, a lot of those, you're going to get so many messages so very quickly. <laughs> and it's it's uh, that that's a lot of information to be taking in yeah. and to not process uh, perhaps very well or or um, intentionally. And and I'll tell you right now, um, youth ministries that are meeting a couple hours a week and throwing some pizza and some video, you know, some games at you, that's not going to cut it. And so that's why my heart is so much into parents and, and being able to minister to parents and and getting families uh, to really be the front lines of, of engaging uh, their student to help them process all of this information and, and all of this data that they're receiving um, online and through social media and through their smartphones and, and all this sort of thing. And, and I'm not the, the person that's, you know, the old person that's saying social media is bad and all that. I think that it, it can be used for good, but uh, there's clearly a lot of challenges that have come from it that I think we're frankly not uh, responding to um, well. 
Um, and, and I think maybe even sociology, sociologists are, have not really been able to grasp the data, uh, so to speak, and, and how, how to really understand this phenomenon that's been going on the last two decades. You are being in a way forced to bridge a gap that I feel like needed to be bridged a long time ago between parents and students. It used to be, um, you know, you could kind of let the people on the youth ministry staff and the volunteers kind of take a huge role in raising, for lack of a better word, your student. And now I feel like it's just so severe, the the um, the emotions and everything that you do have to kind of go, you know what? And I'm so thankful for this in your church, you guys, that you're having to go, okay, we're going to need to have the family involved. This is no longer a situation where you can drop your kid off at church and right. you know that everything's going to be okay. Where are these dynamics coming from? And so that, that way, we're not only keeping your kid um safe at church and at church events and different things like that, but also we're keeping our kids safe at home and we're mm-hmm. also on the same page. That way we're not getting a totally different message at Absolutely. home that is not happening or that is happening at church. And right. I feel like that has been needed for so, so long. And we've kind of been shoved into a corner on that. And I'm thankful because it's going to help there be more unity in what is being taught and also what's being reinforced. And I think mm-hmm. that's Absolutely. Yeah. And I I was going to just inject something from our, our personal experience as parents right now. And we don't have, we don't even have teenagers yet, but there is so much research, you know, that shows how technology affects brain chemistry. And this generation of kids is they're on computers at school. They come home, they're on screens constantly. And we started just seeing in our own child, you know, our oldest, um, that, it was like he, there was a lack of connection happening um, in his brain uh, from the screen to us. And so we more and more, he was becoming very unhappy with himself, with his family, with us. Um, and we we were wa- we were like, this was earlier this semester. We, f- we felt like we were losing our child. I mean, mm-hmm. for a seven-year-old to say like, you know, horrible things about himself, about his family, about all them. We're like, where is this coming from? He's not raised in a bad home, you know? Um, oh. And we... We took all, we, we went on a, a fast and we've been on a fast for about, it's almost two months now where we stopped TV, iPad time, video games, everything. And for a while, it was super strict for about a month. We've just kind of slowly started introducing back in family movie time. Um, but literally within two days of that, our child started changing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Well, and it was, is is exasperated in our family because in the month of March, Christy and I got really sick uh, with the flu, mm-hmm. and um, and it was like it was like her for me for a week and her for a week, and and so anyways, we we depended a lot on just trying to let survive. our kids entertain, survive. <laughs> yeah, sure, oh yeah. And what was almost helpful about that is it brought very clearly to our attention uh, what, what this was doing, doing to our yeah. child. And for, for our kid to be taken off of all of that completely for a week and for a seven-year-old to be self-aware enough to say that after a week, he thought it was better that he was not on that stuff anymore. Yeah. It was just, frankly, it's pretty surprising that you would imagine from a seven-year-old. And so it's very telling to us. Yeah. Well. Um, it, and, we, and we've just continued to do that. We were watching 
our kids be more creative at home. They play mm-hmm. together. Granted, now we have more fighting <laughs> between the two, yeah. you know, because now they're actually playing together. So now we're learning sibling relationships. He's emotionally connected to us again. And that was not happening. We couldn't figure out where it's coming from because listen, y'all, it wasn't the content of what he was seeing. We were controlling that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the time spent with his mind becoming immersed in something other than the real world around him and other than his parents, his family, his spiritual life. He wouldn't even, he got to the point where he wouldn't pray. He wouldn't talk about God, um, any of that. And and within two days, the kid was volunteering to pray at the dinner table again, you know? And so we, we learned through that. I mean, when then you, you take this to a teenager who's got that mobile device on them at all times, you know, and how addictive oh, even yeah. as adults, we, we have fully functioning brains as adults. And yet we still have to scale back sometimes and go, I need to, I need to get off this and stay in the real world again. You know, um, this is a huge issue for teenagers right now. And I think it's very hard for parents to want to fight that battle, Yeah, yeah. but it is so worth it because what's happening is your child's brain chemistry is actually changing. We have the research to show that. Yeah. And if you want your teenager to connect to you, to spiritual things, again, some, they've got to disconnect from the, uh, from the loudest voice in the room. And the loudest voice is that internet right now. The loudest voice is the kids at school, the loud, you know? And so, um, you know, that, that is a hard, we are all as parents fighting an uphill battle in this culture. Um, but I do believe that the technology that these kids, this generation is, is, uh, exposed to, while it has wonderful aspects to it, you know, um, it is also a double-edged sword sure. and needs to be treated that way. And I think some of, I mean, a lot of that has to tie back into the, the rise in anxiety and depression. Oh, we for sure. those things rampant amongst particularly young people all the way through college, probably even young adults at higher levels than ever was experienced before, I think. But I think part of it is if you're, in some ways, if you're always on stage mm-hmm. on, via social media, or feeling mm-hmm. like you have to be on stage, or if you always feel that pressure of, I'm constantly seeing somebody giving me the best image of themselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's this constant pressure. But I, I, something, Sam, that, that you just said earlier that I really never connected with before is that you said social media is a tool to basically enable strangers to teach you how to react to things versus mm-hmm. how to react in kind of either a family dynamic or close, close relationships, maybe even like a mentor to mentee kind of relationship versus I'm learning all this from strangers. Right. I think that is, that is really critical and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and a key insight too. Sam and Chris, you know, one thing thinking about social media and technology, and th- I think this plays into it, but not, it's not the only thing driving this. So I, it was interesting thinking about this and doing a little bit of preparation for this topic the other day. Um, just a couple articles just popped up on te- on technology online for me uh, about this topic, and in in one of the articles, it was was specifically speaking to the lack of sleep that young people today experience, and it and it and it, it literally said that this generation of teenagers today is the most sleep deprived sleep deprived generation of people that has ever existed. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we even began to back that up. And, and it had a number of factors, talking about schools, school schedules, all kinds of things, homework on top of technology, but certainly technology plays into that. 
Oh yeah. I wonder, but but and then it re- referenced how every every study about any kind of mental illness, regardless of age, a, a key factor to mental health is proper sleep and proper rest. Right. As much as we kind of all want to say we feel like we don't need it, we can just get more and more and more done. Proper sleep, proper rest impacts everything. Yes. From your mental health state to how if you if you're seeking mental health help through counseling and therapy or possibly medicine to how that medicine can work, proper diet and, and proper sleep impact how even even how the medicine that you're on for anxiety or depression or something else, even how it might help you. And so I'm curious from your standpoint, what have you seen with that? Have you seen anything there? And how does that play into maybe what, what you see young people experiencing today? I'll let me just interject. Absolutely. Like I've, I have some guys that I disciple and I talk to them about specific things like that. Like how are things going with your family? How are things going? How how are things with sleeping? And I mean, I want to get into all that kind of stuff with them. And one guy in particular talks about his, you know, insomnia kind of a situation. And, and I've, I've encouraged him, you know, uh, you got to get, I hate to just bring, bring this back up again, like I'm an old dude, but it's like, you got to get off the phone too. You know, it's like, uh, I know that he's on his phone until late at night. And then you're just trying to turn your brain off. And it's like, you've just been in, importing into your brain so much data uh, in, in light that of course your brain is going to be want to think about those sorts of things or process all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's not the best way to try to fall asleep. And, and I'll even say with my wife, we're very different when it comes to sleeping. When I come to bed, I just get right to bed want to go to sleep um, right away. And, uh, but sometimes in the middle of the night or whatever, I'll get up. And if I see her like get up and she'll look at her phone, even to see the time or whatever, I'm all the time like, don't do it. Don't I do know. it. <laughs> you'll end up being stuck or staying You're awake. Like, get you know? off my case. I'm only looking at my phone because I'm actually awake, not, <laughs> yeah. not the phone waking me up. But yeah, I, I think that that, I, I think that parents would be very, I mean, honestly, even to just say, keep the phone in the living room. Oh yeah. The phones do not need to be in the bedrooms. Parents, please, please from your local youth pastors, (laughs) phones away at a certain time of night that is good for you and your family, plug them in somewhere else, plug them in your room, whatever. They do not need them. There are other ways to give them alarms. You can wake up. I I just, but I'll have teenagers that just, I'll ask them like, Hey, how you doing? You know, and they'll just talk. I was so tired, you know, so tired. I'm like, man, a teenager should not be <laughs> tired all the time. It's yeah. like, you know, wait till life gets really tough. Like when you're an adult, like now you can sleep, you know, you need to just make those choices. And I literally awesome. at church, church yesterday, like one of my girls, she just looked haggard and like she was carrying the the world on her shoulders. Now, granted, this girl is graduating and she does have the world on her shoulders right now. It's a big, big time in her life and, and everything. And, and, you know, she, somebody moved her Bible and keys and we couldn't find it. And I just looked, she just looked at like she was going to cry. And I was like, what's, what's going on? And she just looked at me. She just said, I am so tired. And she just burst into tears. Like, and you know, so they are, they are dealing with that. Now, granted again, she's graduating this week and I can't, I, that was, sure, that's yeah. a stress. That's yeah. But, yeah. but I see that a lot. And as a teacher too, you know, we see the, we know the kids who don't get sleep at night. Mm-hmm. They fall asleep in class. They don't engage with other students as much. They are, they know how to game all the technology on the computers and start instant messaging other people. You know, these, these kids that are not governed at home to get enough sleep, it shows, it shows in their focus. It shows in their, 
you know, uh, their relationships with other students. I mean, sleep is absolutely important. And, you know, I'm learning this because I just recently had a stroke and basically for six weeks of my life after we found out, they put me to sleep. That's what my doctors did. Like yeah. I was, I was on so much medication and, and I wasn't sleep. I'm a writer. I stay up late and they put me on so much medication and all this stuff, trying to regulate the blood pressure and all these things. I went to sleep for six weeks. It's all a blur, but they were like, your brain has to repair. Like you have to give, and it's not going to cut it for you to get your five hours of sleep at night, staying up late writing, getting up early with your kids. And then you go take a little nap in the afternoon. That's not the same. You have to have the big chunks. I'm, I'm even learning, you know, a lot about how the brain needs that time. And my mental health has been so much better since I've had more sleep, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's definitely important and connected. And I think just a number of things you're saying are all all hitting on. I think there's a greater need for intentionality. And I think that, you know, just the challenges that, whether it be technology, the challenges of of sleep, you know, getting enough sleep, all these things, while as we think as parents, going back, maybe as your kids get older, you can kind of lessen the reins on some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're getting older, they can handle some of this on their own. It seems almost like some of the things that that these challenges have brought back into the mix now, it, it really speaks into an intentionality parents have to have even yeah. um, uh, all the way through maybe their teenage years. Whereas previous generations, maybe parents didn't have to have that. I mean, you know, right. there's just you could you could kind of let 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 your kids be more. And maybe I think mm-hmm. right now there's more guidance needed in some of these areas because there's so many things more that kids today are facing than certainly we ever faced growing up. Distractions, challenges, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, oh, I was just talking I was just talking to someone recently about how um, helpful and useful it is to my own mental health, for example, to just go on a walk, you know, and and mm-hmm. I remember in twenty sixteen I, I was struggling a lot uh, with my mind and I, you know, some obsessive compulsive tendencies and things like that and how helpful that was to me to be able to go on a walk, just be outside. And, you know, kids nowadays, they don't have to go outside at all. They, it wouldn't even cross their mind sometimes to do that. And I'll just encourage them, like, make sure you do that. It will be so, you know, helpful to you, uh, to just go outside and, and, and have the sun, uh, on you and just for a few minutes a day or something like that. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, but you're right. Years ago, we would all have to do that because, like, there's nothing to do inside. And right. now it's like you could literally never go outside and not miss it a lot of the time. That's very true. Yeah. Friends, so much vital and helpful information was just shared. And we don't want to stop there. But we also didn't want you to feel like you had to continue to listen to this episode to get more information. Um, so we break, we're breaking for now. And next week, we are going to come back with part two of mental health crisis amongst teens. And uh, we hope that you will listen and that you will uh, learn and just be more aware of what is actually going on with our teens today. You may or may not have one in your home. Um, Maybe you are uh, someone who is a peer to a team. And what we want you to do is we want to continue to help you get the full picture of what's going on in many of the lives of our teenagers today. I wouldn't want to go back. 
I can tell you that for sure. But what we want to do is help educate you and um, love you through the process. So anyway, till next time, talk to you next week. 